0: We come to an application of the definite integral. Now, if you're in business, especially, you might find yourself using this notion of the average value, looking for the average output, maybe, of a profit function. For example, you actually can use the integral, the definite integral, to find it. So given a continuous function f over the interval a, b, or the definition in the book just starts with, the average value of a continuous function f on the interval a, b is, f of c equals 1 over b minus a times the integral a to b f of x dx. Now, I'm not going to prove this. By now, you probably know. I, I, instead of doing proofs, I a lot of times just do kind of discovery verification things. So let's look at an example and see if it verifies it for a simpler example, and then we'll apply it to another example. Find the average value of f of x equals 3x on the interval from 0 to 4. Now I picked from 0 to 4 to make it easier to figure this out. Uh, maybe after this, we should actually investigate with another um, interval as well. So the function f of x equals 3x. I picked one that is easily graphed. It keeps going, right? It keeps going this way. But I'm looking for the average value of the function f of x on the interval from 0 to 4. So what I really want is I want to know of all the y values between 0 and 4, as if you were in statistics class and you could find all of them and add them up and divide by the total number of them and get the average, as if you could do that, then you want the same result using calculus. So the fact that this is a linear function allows me to go ahead and um, just what I would call eyeball or figure out the answer without doing any calculus. The first y-value is zero. The last y-value is what? If we're going from zero to four, when x is four, the last y-value, the biggest y-value, is three times four, or twelve. So the y-values range from zero to twelve, and it's a linear function. So because of that, I'm going to guess that the average value of the function on that interval is just 12 plus 0 over 2, the average of the minimum and the maximum values. So I think the answer should be 6. The reason why is because I picked a linear function. Now, very soon, we can do it with non-linear functions as long as they're continuous, and we can use the definite integral. So this is our guess. Let's verify it with the formula. The formula says that the average value of f of x, of f, an output of the function, is 1 over b minus a times the integral from a to b, f of x dx. So what are my a, b's, and f of x's? a is 0, and b is 4. So my average value is 1 over 4 minus 0. My integral goes from 0 to 4. And f of x is 3x. So I have integral 3x dx from 0 to 4. Now, I actually do not need to use substitution here. I could just bring the 3 out. And I have 3 fourths times, if I anti-differentiate x dx, I get actually just anti-differentiate x. And you get x squared over 2. And then you evaluate that from 0 to 4. So I have 3 fourths. And it doesn't look like it's going to work, right? 3 fourths. We didn't have that in our guess. Times 4 squared over 2. So when you simplify that, if you'd like, you could cancel one of the 4s right away. Or you can say this is 3 times 16 over 8. And you can see, lo and behold, 8 goes into 16 twice. And 3 times 2. 6. So the formula worked for this example. Now that's not a proof, but it is at least seeing that even when we, when we um, have a guess for the average of the y values, we can also do it using the formula and get the same answer. So that suggests to me that maybe after all this formula could be correct, right? Let's do another interval on the same function, or actually we could do a different function. Let's do f of x, or g of x, equals negative 2x. And let's take a different interval. So negative 2x, something like this. That looks a little more like negative x. And what interval? Maybe from 1 to 5? So now we want the average of the y-values on that interval from 1 to 5. So then I have to say, okay, well, the smallest y-value is negative 2, and the largest y-value is negative 10, right? 5 times negative 2. So maybe, oh, did I pick a bad example or what? This average of these two is what? Uh, Negative 2 to 10. If you uh, add those two numbers together and divide by two, you get negative six again. I don't know if that's right, but um, the average of those two values, yeah, negative two to six is four steps, and negative six to negative 10 is another four steps. Maybe negative six? I don't know, let's see. One over B minus A, one over five minus one. Oh, and I look, I have the same B minus A too. So much for being spontaneous. Now I go from one to five, negative two X DX. So I have one fourth, one to five, and then negative two x squared over two evaluated from one to five, just skipping straight ahead to that antiderivative. So using the fundamental theorem and canceling those twos, I have negative x squared over four from one to five, which is negative twenty-five fourths minus a negative one-fourth. Got to be careful with the signs. Look what that is. Negative twenty-five. Negative twenty-five minus a negative one-fourth negative twenty-four fourths negative six. So even though we had a, a different interval and a different function, and obviously the sign is the opposite, we see that we can get the average value when it's linear two different ways, just taking the average of the, the, the smallest and largest y values, or using the formula with the integral. Now this, again, this is not a proof. But uh, the idea is for you to have an intuitive understanding so that when you use it, it makes, it makes sense to you. Um, I, there are some very good treatments of this also in the book. I'm going to leave it at this for now in terms of verifying I'm going to show you how to use it with a function that you might not be able to figure out the average value in your head. So let's look at this example here. We have find the average value of f of x equals x cubed on the interval negative 1 to 2. Now if you want to draw a picture you have x cubed again, my apologies for the same function, negative 1 to 2. Now what we're doing is we're finding an average value of the function. It's not finding the area. Now, it's related to finding the area. It's basically finding the area and dividing by delta x, right? b minus a. Uh, Well, not quite delta x. The length of the interval. So it's similar, but the output is really just an average y value somewhere on the graph. Now, if I just use the formula, the average of f of x, average of f, is 1 over b minus a careful with the signs, 2 minus negative 1. You have a length, a width of the interval of 3. Integral negative 1 to 2 x cubed dx. So it's very easy in practice. Now understanding where the formula comes from is, is another matter, but it's not impossible to understand if you think about area divided by the width. It should make sense that Because the area of a rectangle, I'll explain that in a second. Before I jump ahead of myself, 1 third x to the fourth over 4, negative 1 to 2. So 1 third times x to the fourth over 4, evaluated from negative 1 to 2. When I evaluate that integral, I have 1 twelfth times 2 to the fourth, which is 16. Minus negative 1 to the fourth, which is just 1. So I have 1 twelfth times 15, or 15 twelfths, or 5 fourths. Now let's investigate the smallest y value and the largest y value and see what we get. The smallest y value on that interval is just negative 1 cubed, which is negative 1. The largest y-value on the interval is 2 cubed, which is 8. Now what's the average of 8 and negative 1? The average of 8 and negative 1 is actually 7 halves, which is different from 5 fourths. So you can see that the average value isn't always found by just taking the the sum of the two numbers and dividing by 2. So it worked for the linear functions, but it's not working here for this cubic function. So I just want to point that out so that you know that it won't always work to just take the average of the largest and the smallest values. So then we really do need calculus. We need 1 over b minus a times the integral from a to b f of x dx. So. If you have seven halves on your notes, make sure you cross it off or make a little note to you. It does not give the appropriate answer, the average value. All right, I started to mention how you could intuitively look at the average value using the idea of of rectangles. If you think about the fact that if this is a continuous function, there does exist a value C somewhere on the interval from A to B where if you take f of c and you multiply that times b minus a you're going to get a rectangle that has exactly the same area as the area under the curve so there exists because it's a continuous function and again i'm not proving this That there exists a value c in the interval from a to b where if you take f of c times um, b minus a, that'll give you the integral from a to b f of x dx. Now I'm using a a positive, sorry, non-negative function on the interval a to b, just to make it easier intuitively. The area under the curve from a to b is equal to some f of c, the height of a rectangle, times the width b minus a for some value c in the interval. There exists a value in the interval, an x value, between a and b, where if you take f of c there and you make a rectangle out of f of c and the width b minus a, you will have exactly the same area as the area under the curve. Meaning this little extra part right here in the rectangle is exactly equal to this little part right here that we missed. Now my drawing's off just a little bit. I just tried to pick a value that was the average value. You can see I should have actually moved it up just a little right here so that the extra part of the rectangle would be a little bigger, and the extra part under the graph would be a little smaller. But it's pretty close, right? Because it's a continuous function, and and because I'm making it easier by making it uh, non-negative, I can see that there's probably an x value where if I take f of x, make a rectangle with that and b minus a, I have the same area. Now, if if you divide both sides by b minus a, you have the integral from a to b f of x dx times 1 over b minus a. And that's f of c. Now, the thing that I have not proven is that this is the average of the y values on that interval. And I'm not going to prove it right now. As long as it's intuitive to you, that it would make sense that the average of the y values would be the place where your rectangle the area of the rectangle equals the area under the curve so I'm the first one to admit that I'm doing a lot of what I used to call in graduate school hand waving we used to call that when our instructor would just or our professor would just kind of write on the board and say it's obvious right you kind of wave your hands a lot and say see 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 it looks right so I realize I'm doing that but my hope is that Having this picture in your mind will help you to justify how the formula works. The actual proof of this is a little more complicated, but the idea is pretty straightforward. You're finding an average of outputs of a function on an interval where the function is not necessarily linear, and, however, it does need to be continuous so that you know this c exists somewhere on that interval. Now, the process of finding is really easy. You just take your integral on the interval and then divide by b minus a. And that gives you your average y value. And the possibilities, especially in business, are endless because a lot of times you want to know on average maybe what your profits are. Um, And maybe um, it's easier to use integration than to actually try to find them if your profit function is anything more than just linear. Or average revenue for the same matter. Or average costs, right? That's just a minor example and there are many more that you can look at.